If you like listening to Inglorious Trexperts, you'll love watching us. Really? How? I guess you will. I guess you will. But how, how can one do that, Mark? Now you can download the free Electric Now app featuring video podcasts of The Inglorious Trexperts, The 430 Movie, Best Movies Never Made, and tons of free TV, movies, and more. You're saying it's so all, all free? All free? I'm saying it's free. 100% no free. Page, 100%. There's no Patreon. There's no premium fees. There's no electronic frontier. Well, there's no all excuse there is, not to get it then. There's no excuse not to. That's what I'm saying. So download the Electric Now app today and start watching us right now. Hello, this is not really Gene Roddenberry, but uh, if it were, uh, I would urge you to uh, listen and watch the Inglorious Trexperts because uh, who knows, maybe it'll uh, bring in more income. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and if you're a fan of the only gentleman secret agent with a license to kill and thrill, you should pick up my new James Bond oral history, Nobody Does It Better, available now in hardcover, audio, and digital, wherever books are sold. Do you expect me to read? No, I expect you to buy it. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and you're listening to a 4.30 movie special report. Attention, Mr. and Mrs. America and all the ships at sea. Flash. Special report, the death of movies. What? Stop. Movies are dying. Stop. Theaters are closing. Stop. Raging pandemic endangers the future of cinema. Stop. Oh, okay. I will stop. So anyway, I just want to welcome you back. We, we, you know, we haven't done a special report since like our first month of recording um, movie, uh, the 430 movie, like two years ago. And we thought this would be like a monthly thing where we do the special reports. So here we are like two and a half, three years later, doing, bringing you finally the next special report. And boy, was it worth wait. And to well, bring you that shows, special report. You're a- just shows how special these reports are. Right. They're super They're, they're not a monthly thing. Right. It took a pandemic to bring on another special report. Yeah. <laughs> they're not average reports. They're special, special reports. If they were average, we could do them every month. We'd find some dopey subject to cover. We oh, only cover it when report. it's truly Movies. special. Do they run approximately two hours? <laughs> we ask the experts. Yes, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I'm here with Mr. Monday, Steve Melching. Hi there. Terrific Tuesday, Darren Docterman. Hello. Abhorrent Ashley. No, Wacky Wednesday, Ashley Edward Miller. <laughs> Yo. I thought it was going to be like, what the f- Wednesday, but. Yeah, WTF, WTF Wednesday. WTF Wednesday. WTF there Wednesday. You there you go. So anyway, um, it's good to have you. Uh, normally, we curate a fantasy theme week of motion pictures, but we felt it was important to talk about a subject near and dear to our heart, which is the death of movies because of course the show is all about our love for movies and in order to talk about that we ne- we need to talk about you know why we love movies so much why going to the movie theater has been such an important part of all our lives but what galvanizes for us there's been a lot of talk obviously during this pandemic that a lot of the movie chains are shutting down going bankrupt could potentially not come back 
Um, and uh, today, huge announcement that Warner Brothers will be releasing Wonder Woman direct to their new streaming platform, HBO Max. So they will be doing a, a run of theaters and releasing it internationally. Uh, but the, 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 the news flash is basically they, they're releasing it directly to their streaming platform. That is right. the way the majority of people will see that movie when it's released on Christmas Day. Not unlike uh, what happened a few months ago with Disney Plus, where they did a PVOD model, which was a pay, you had to pay a premium fee, even if you were a Disney subscriber, to watch the live action Mulan on Disney Plus. And it only it's okay, recently. Though. It's all right, only though, with less I concentration camps. I wound up not paying that fee and I didn't watch it. and uh, but this is a huge paradigm shift not since the beginning of television endangering uh, the future of movies has uh there been such an existential threat to um cinema going to going into the theater and it doesn't appear as though it's likely anytime soon that we'll be going back to movie theaters um and in fact movie theaters are becoming more and more like the home experience the one thing that's keeping some theaters afloat is they're charging people $99 or so to go and rent the theater for 10 or 20 people to watch a movie privately at their theater, mm-hmm. just basically to pay their overhead. So that's basically like watching a movie at home on a much bigger screen. So uh, because it's you're inviting a couple of friends over. And in most cases, uh, you can't even go to the concession bar because they're, you know, because of health considerations. So it's a very interesting time. And. And already there's been a lot of talk about um, how the independent, the bottom has fallen out of the independent movie scene. You know, we all grew up in the 90s. You know, we were children of uh, Sex, Lies, and Videotape and Reservoir Dogs and El Mariachi, all those movies that we would go to see religiously on the weekends and sometimes during the weekdays. Um, and, And those movies aren't getting made anymore. It's become, you know, the, the age of the, of the blockbuster. I mean, look at David Fincher's which is now coming out directly on Netflix, which is a film that would have been, you know, normally released in the past in November as an Academy Award bait. And we'd all be running to see it in a theater. Those, those days are over. So let's oh, talk about I think this idea of before, movies. Before you go on with that, I think that your statement of those movies aren't being made anymore is not entirely true because they are being made and they're being released on Netflix and Amazon. Yep. Yes, absolutely. Um, and actually, more of them are getting made now than were, you know, even two or three years ago. Right. Certainly, we're not more of the mid-budget films exactly. on those platforms than we had been getting before. I, I should rephrase. They're not getting made for theatrical distribution, right. Right. you know, or they are hoping to get theatrical distribution, but end up getting sold. You know, right. a recent example was um, Palm Springs, which did very well at Sundance, mm-hmm. and yeah. it got picked up by Hulu. Never, you know, never saw it there, never saw a light of a projector bulb. And it used to be as an independent filmmaker, your dream, and I can attest to that, you know, my first movie, Free Enterprise, I, I mean, we passed up a lot of offers to go direct to cable and all that stuff so that we could have that theatrical release. There's right. nothing like seeing your film on a marquee, you know, and then going to a theater. Next to episode one. Well, in that case, particularly <laughs> next to episode one, um, you know, Better it was, than the, episode beginning. One. Let me it was the beginning of a vicious trade war that we lost. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so so anyway, look, there's so much uh, as we, as they say, 
to unpack here. So I want to go back to the very beginning, which was a very delicate time, and ask each of you, you know, your fondest, like, you know, if you remember maybe the first movie you saw, but certainly as kids, why going to these movie palaces, why going to theaters had such um, a dramatic impact on your life? Well, Starting with um, Monday. Okay, well, Monday. Um, Mr. Monday. Mr. My, Monday. <laughs> my, my parents, we really didn't go to a lot of movies when I was growing up. I, I recall the only couple of movies I remember seeing as a kid were um, things like The Land That Time Forgot, which I loved because uh, it had dinosaurs and U-boats and stuff and volcanoes. Uh, I remember seeing the uh, Adam West Batman movie in re-release. Uh, and I recall seeing some of the Disney movies like Herbie or, you know, uh, Escape from Witch Mountain. But mm -hmm. most of those movies didn't leave. And I saw some Laurel and Hardy movies, too. My dad was a big fan of that. So we would like the, the Air Force Base might have a like a little theater on it and they'd be showing mm -hmm. like Laurel and Hardy movies. So my dad would take me. Um, but the, the, the first movie like uh, that really made an impression and I won't linger on it because we've talked about it before was the first Star Wars when it came out in 77 because, you know, uh, that just kind of changed everything for everybody. It was such an overwhelming experience and it made me kind of a movie addict uh, for life uh, after that. And um, one of the great experiences that I had, uh, I'll skip forward a few years, uh, when I was a teenager, the summer of 1984 was just a great summer for popular movies, for genre movies. And it was a great summer for me and my friends because we had all turned 16, 17 years old. So we all right. had our driver's licenses and our own money. And so that we could go to all these movies where and whenever we wanted to. And I remember one experience in particular, I was visiting my best friend uh, outside of uh, Philadelphia and Ghostbusters came out uh, in June of 84. And he and I and his older brother piled in, and I think another friend of theirs piled into the Chevy Caprice and drove into, you know, the Exton Mall or King of Prussia, wherever it was, to see this movie we really knew very little about, but the title was very appealing to us. And I remember going to this sold out movie. It was packed. We were sitting, I think, in the first or second row. So the screen was almost straight up for us. And watching that movie with a full house on that magical summer where we were just on our own doing what we wanted to do was such a wonderful experience that I, I still remember it all these years later. I remember laughing so hard when the Marshmallow Man came, walked into view around the buildings that I practically fell out of my movie seat chair. In Great the theater. spoiler there, Mr. Melching. <laughs> what the hell, Steve? What do you mean the Marshmallow Man? <laughs> He would never hurt us. <laughs> I, I tried to think of nothing, but uh, it, 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 you just can't repeat an experience like that, you know, on uh, on you know Netflix or popping in a DVD. Even if you're gathering with some of your best friends, there's nothing like making that pilgrimage to you know, with, at the risk of sounding pretentious, like you know, the Church of Cinema, you know, a movie a movie theater, even a crappy multiplex. You're you're there in a in a in a big room with a big screen and and at the time you know better picture and sound than you could possibly have at your house, 
and it's just filled with people that are all reacting in the moment to what you're watching and you're eating those crappy movie theater snacks that are so good in context and it, it's you just can't you just can't repeat that experience at home yeah that's really uh you know obviously a big part of why we love going to the movies because home no matter how big your home theater is just can't capture that communal experience nor is it likely to have a, so a screen the size of uh of, of a major movie theater so what, what about you darren what are some of those early movie memories uh for you that sort of you know made this such a, a prized experience for you well i i've talked to, uh, about a bunch of them on here but uh, i'll I'll, uh, I'll make it briefer now because I, I have i have a long list of good experiences and uh, uh memories from being in a movie theater um the first uh, the first couple of times i remember going to the movie theater was going with my mom to uh the uh, uh in new york city to the uh, radio city music hall and seeing movies there uh, the first time was uh, a movie I mentioned uh, during Sean Connery Week, The Red Tent, which I've never seen since. Uh, but the second time was seeing Mary Poppins. And uh, in its uh, re-release, and I believe it was 1974, or something like that. So uh, maybe earlier. But um, I just remember it uh, plain as day. And it's funny, in the movie Radio Days, there's a scene where the you know, young Woody Allen character goes to Radio City. And that's exactly how it was. It's exactly how it was. Um, and it's, it's strange because when I saw that, I went, oh my God, that's my memory. You know, what's he doing with my memories? Um, but uh, also going to the, you know, the local uh, cinema where I grew up in New Jersey uh, and seeing really, you know, kind of crappy throwaway movies like the Sun Classic Pictures, uh, you know, uh, Search for uh, uh, Noah's Ark, um, or the, uh, uh, what else? There was uh, bad movies like uh, uh, Starship Invasions and- uh, Hangar 18. Uh, Hangar 18, absolutely. <laughs> terrible, terrible movies, but they were fun experiences in a theater. Um, and one thing that I remember uh, clearly was I think this was in 73 or 74, maybe 75. There was an event at the local theater uh, in Elizabeth, New Jersey, uh, that was the Go Ape Festival, where they showed all of the Planet of the Apes movies. And they had sort of a live stage show with apes. And it was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen. And it was just, you know, in the, in the theater, like around the corner from where I live. Um, and of course, that I, I saw Star Wars in that same theater at several times. It was like, I think the admission was a buck fifty because uh, it was, you know, third run uh, uh, theater. So, you know, and Star Wars stayed in that for nine months. You know, it just it just kept going. Um, and of course, you know, later in the 80s, uh, I just remember going where my grandmother lived in Pennsylvania, uh, the local, uh, you know, mall theater was running Empire Strikes Back and Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I paid for one admission and I stayed all day going back and forth 
in between the two theaters watching Raiders first, then Empire, then Raiders again, then Empire, and then Raiders for a third time. So I stayed all day. And I believe you me, I got my 450s worth that day, I can tell you. Uh, but, uh, you know, it just so many wonderful, you know, I had the same experience watching Star Wars for the first time at that theater. And uh, just remember being totally blown away. And, you know, of course, as, as I grew up and moved out to Los Angeles, you know, every weekend was going to a different, wonderful experience at the, at the movie theater. In, in all the, you know, wonderful movie theaters that we'd heard about uh, growing up that uh, are in Hollywood, you know, the Chinese theater, the Egyptian, the Cinerama Dome, all of these famous theaters. Avco. Would, yeah, <laughs> we would just be there experiencing it. And, uh, you know, it, it's just a, a, a big part of my life has been spent enjoying movies in theaters. And what about so you, there. Ashley? What 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 are some of your seminal experiences? Uh, you know, going movie going Don't put experiences. It like that. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. Obviously, Herbie goes to Monte Carlo. Absolutely. <laughs> um, it's funny because Steve mentioned Herbie the Love Bug movies, and I went, "Oh my god, I remember seeing that in the theater. That's crazy!" Like when he's counting sheep, and it's like, is it just like Herbie is jumping? But uh, look, obviously, Star Wars was just a touchstone for for all of us. Right, um, but here, didn't release Star Wars. It, for me, though, it's uh, you know, yeah, I really preferred the other side of midnight. Yeah, me, me too. But uh, no, I mean, look, for me, Star Wars happened at kind of exactly the right time, and in some ways, the wrong time. Um, I was, I mean, look, I'm a little, I'm just a touch younger than you guys are. So Star Wars came out when I was six years old. Right. So I was just sapient enough to get that it was amazing, not quite sapient enough to understand that it was a watershed. Like, and my little brain hadn't quite developed to the point where that movie could, you know, kick me in any place other than the wow, look at that. Look how huge and expansive this universe is and these big ideas and these cool characters and these amazing images. Um, I have to tell you that the movie experience that sticks with me, right? Like I can still see the lobby cards, right? Like I can still see like there's the little booklets that were left out mm -hmm. with all of the cast. I can still smell the popcorn, right? And I remember like what the seat felt like i remember standing in line i remember like finding my seat and just waiting and i remember the overture playing and it just all boils down to for me to seven very simple words you will believe a man can fly mm -hmm. i was so excited to see superman i can't even tell you i mean Look, I, you know, read comics when I was that age, but it was hard for me to get them. Like, like my mom both got it, like, and she also didn't get it. I wasn't the crazy comic book collector I would eventually turn into. Um, I was just fascinated by Superman. I wanted to see that movie. And those, 
the, the first hour of that film, I, mean, the, I love the whole movie, but the, the first hour of that film was just not in any way what I expected. And it, and I think I had just sort of reached the point where I could have a, a truly emotional experience with it, mm -hmm. right? Um, and it, it just, uh, it just kills me. Like, I remember the experience of watching it so vividly. Um, I mean, there are other movies that are like that. Star Trek, the motion picture, uh, the, the Black Hole, um, Tron. I mean, there's like a, a couple of movies that are like that for me, like, or I remember being in the theater. But Superman the movie was the one where I just felt something. Mm -hmm. And I think for the, for the first time, uh, even if I couldn't articulate it at the time, I understood that movies were uh, supposed to be an emotional experience, right? That that's what they were. And there was nothing else like it. And I just, oh, God, I mean, to me, like, look, I, I, I love going to the movies. I, we've obviously all seen a lot of great movies, movies that we love, movies that have affected us, um, movies that have shaped us as, as creators, as creatives. But I don't know that for, and this is true for any of us, regardless of what the film is, that we can truly forget, you know, what's the first time that we cried in a movie? You know, what's the first time that, that we like just had like this deep, emotional reaction to something. And for me, it was when Pa Kent dies, mm -hmm. right? You know, all my power and I couldn't save him, right? You know, um, it, it just the, the voice of, of Jor-El, like Marlon Brando, you know, just the, what he tells his son, you know, they can be a good people. They choose to be, right? It's, it's, there's just so much that's there that has just, that's turned me into what I am now um, just as a, as a creator. And I cannot imagine having that experience on video. I mean, look, I can tell you that I went to the movies not very often when I was a kid. It wasn't until I was a teenager that I was really able to do that. So right. I saw most things first on video, right? I saw Raiders on video for the first yeah. time. Okay. I eventually, I think saw it like in a re-release in the theater, but I saw it on video. So a lot of my movie experience was video and I love those movies just as much. So, uh, you know, it's not like I think the art form is going to die, but my God, it, it breaks my heart to think that, you know, my, my boys might not have the experience that I had or an analogous experience to what I had watching Superman. It's just, uh, it kills me. Yeah, and, and if I could jump in with another sure, brief man. story that's that's not so much about the seeing the film in the theater, it's more about how important movies were. And this is about the, the, the sort of the epic story of getting to right. the movie to see it. And yeah. this is the summer of 1980 uh, and Empire Strikes Back, which I had already seen. I, uh, I had once or got some free tickets at a Darth Vader uh, appearance at a at a hex shopping center outside of Manassas, Virginia, and got free tickets. And we went on opening weekend and waited for hours to see the first show of the day. But um, this was a little bit later in the summer. School was out, and uh, the theater, the movie had sort of migrated to the smaller screen. So now it was playing in Dale City, Virginia. That I think Ashley's been to Dale City. Yeah. 
And um, we lived about seven miles away. And uh, me and that same friend that I saw Ghostbusters with and another uh, good friend of mine decided that we were going to walk to Dale City to see Empire Strikes Back again because it was that goddamn important to see that movie again. And that was the only way that you could see that movie. And as far as we know, knew, that was the only way we'd ever get to see the movie again because home video was just barely starting to happen uh, some neighbors down the street had a betamax machine and uh you know a couple of tapes we couldn't imagine like owning a movie as awesome as empire strikes back and being able to watch it whenever you wanted so we decided that we were going to walk to dale city in the heat of the virginia summer mm. the humidity and we set out at probably 10 o'clock in the morning for like a, a one or two o'clock show and we were walking and it was so freaking hot and the humidity was coming down on us like a blanket. It was like swimming. We were like drowning, trying to breathe that thick air. My friend's shoes literally, and I'm not exaggerating, started to melt to the blacktop <laughs> of the road that we were walking down. And these are those narrow little east winding East Coast roads through the thick forests. And my friends started huffing and puffing and they were, they were, and they started to lose their focus and, and thought, well, maybe we'll go see the next show. But I was determined, no, we're not going to go to the four o'clock show. We're going to the one o'clock show. It's like, it's Corraldo. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> yes. And I'm like, screw you guys. I'm going on ahead. And I left them behind and I pushed <laughs> on and I swam through that hot Virginia air and, they and I'm died. sweating. Yeah. <laughs> and I passed a rotting deer carcass in a in in the side of the road. A McCarthy movie. What's happening? Yeah. <laughs> and I made it to that box office, and it was like one o'clock on the dot. And I gave him my two dollars, and I went inside, and I could hear the 20th Century Fox fanfare muffled coming out of the theater. But God damn it, I needed water. I was dying, <laughs> so I went into the bathroom, and I'm splashing cold water all over my face and hair trying to cool off and i go to the drinking fountain and i'm drinking and i can hear the fox the the star wars fanfare going and the, the crawl is happening and i'm missing it but i need more water and i finally finish drinking and i get into the theater and sit down and the star destroyer comes out and the probe droids and it's all good we're on hoth and I think I spent the next half an hour with heat just radiating off my body <laughs> and sweat. And it probably took a good half hour, 45 minutes to stop sweating. But God damn it, I was there. I was in that movie theater. And that was the most important <laughs> thing in my life. And seeing that movie for probably the fourth or fifth time was so great. And and I walked out after the movie was over. My friends were waiting outside with big gulps that they had bought at the 7-Eleven. And they were joking about how that deer carcass was actually my carcass, you know, <laughs> lying in the in the culvert. And, and they said, OK, well, we're going to go see the four o'clock movie. I was like, great, I'll see it again. And I got out my money and I was a few cents short. Oh, no. And of course, they're giving me crap about loaning me like the eight cents I needed. Like, sorry, you ditched us. You're going to have to wait for us now. But I, I begged them and, and uh, they gave me the money. So I saw it uh, a second time and it was it was wonderful. These don't that's, sound like, that's how goddamn important these movies are. These don't sound like people that you should go see movies with. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. I, I, I think that, you know, so much of our experience seeing movies 
it's nostalgia, but it's also something more than that that goes beyond what's being projected on the screen. I mean, for me, you know, I have so many, so many great memories. You know, I've talked about, you know, seeing North by Northwest at a revival house with my other, um, you know, the failure in New York and just realizing that I wanted to be involved in entertainment and film and TV, seeing North by Northwest and how it changed, you know, ch changed my life. And then, you know, going to all these, you know, movies. I mean, I remember, you know, one summer I was at Brown and there was a curfew, but they were at a revival house. They were showing The Hunger and Nosferatu, the Warner Herzog Nosferatu is a double feature. But we, you know, but we would not be able to stay for the whole feature because of the curfew. And I'm like, fuck the curfew and and first of all i wanted to see the hunger without with my mother with without me. your mom yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and and, and I, i'd never seen nosferatu the the remake so you know i went and i came back and like the fences around brown like where where they were closed and it was like you know it's like i don't care and i like jumped the fence and for me i'm like not particularly athletic but man i went over that fence so quick and it was just like yeah to hell with them they're not gonna pull the you know keep me from you know doing this and um and and i mean i remember just so many memories like going to see the boys from brazil with my dad in this theater where the heat was broken in the middle of the winter in new york and we just sat freezing and shivering but we didn't want to leave because you know it was you don't walk out on a movie uh, you don't walk out on Lawrence Olivier and uh, you know, we just um, you know, and then at the time we saw like the Flamingo kid, it was the same thing. They, the heat was broken and we were just seeing a movie about the, the beach in the summer and freezing, you know, freezing. And it just, um, and, and yeah, I remember during the boys from Brazil, the ceiling was leaking. They were like literally, you know, rain and snow coming in from the ceiling. And, you know, when I went to see the Terminator in Boston college, rats scurrying along the floor, but I was like digging the movie so much that I just ignored it the whole time and put my feet up on the chair in front of me so I could see what happened. I mean, I just have so many, I mean, look, you know, I don't remember what I had for breakfast, but I could pretty much tell you any theater that I saw a movie, you tell me the movie and I can yeah. tell you where, where I saw it. And um, it, it, it's, it's a gift. And, um, but the thing that the point that I was going to make is as great as all those experiences I have been, or most of them, um, what was even better is seeing these movies and going out with a group of friends who love movies as much as you do. And the hours we would spend, you know, at Jerry's deli or at Lola's or at a myriad of places back in college, you know, or even in high school um, talking about these movies afterwards yeah. you know this the shared communal experience that you know no watch party on streaming is ever going to capture it's you know it's sitting there and ordering you know your appetizers and ordering your drinks and just talking and you know everyone having a different opinion it was great it was awful it was this it was that and and those are some of like the greatest times you know ever you know, and, and for hours, this would go on. I mean, you, Steve, Darren, I mean, you, actually, you know, I mean, we'd have these incredible, you know, long conversations and, you know, just, you know, bring another plate of cookies, bring another, you know, bring, you know, bring a, more French fries. There's you know. a reason we do these podcasts and that's it. Yeah, because we don't get to do that anymore. But it was, well, and it's, and it's not just the dissection of the movie afterwards, which is great. No, it's the it's, sharing. It's, Yes. Well, and not and not. Uh, there's also the anticipation before the movie, when right. if it's a big mm -hmm. movie, if you're waiting in line with your friends and you're not quite sure what you're going to see, and you go in and you get your seats and you get your snacks and you, that anticipation 
that moment when the lights go down and that excitement and then oh then trailers come on and like oh what's this trailer and and that could be exciting too you like you see trailers for other movies that and you may know nothing about and you make some poor schlub in your group hold the seats yeah. for you right. exactly <laughs> i was always that able because uh, i was the guy who was planning like these assaults on the movie theater like they were the invasion of poland like it just that was i was that guy um well, I, I can mark so many events in my life like just based on what was happening in the movies like i, I i've told the story of the first date with my wife where we went to see dracula it's not the same date like i don't know like you know, without Francis Ford Coppola, I don't know that like my life turns out the same way that it did. It's like, it's just so many little things. Um, when when I got married, God help me. And, uh, you know, Mark, you can tell Dean this. Um, we went, when we were on our honeymoon, I insisted, like the first movie that we saw, I insisted, like the morning that it came out, the very first show, we went to see Independence Day. I had to see it. I remember that for my honeymoon almost more than I remember anything else. Okay, now if my wife said that, it was a little bit different. But, uh, you know, come on. I mean, but we remember these things. And that's why I don't like to be negative about movies. Because it's, it's well, see, just, I, there's always something wonderful. There's always something wonderful. Well, and again, you mentioned like um, the planning this like a military operation. That reminded me of the the evening when we went to see the Phantom Menace. Going circling back to Phantom Menace, opening night at midnight at the uh, the the uh, which was it the Bruin uh, in Westwood. The and national. We got there, the national. I thought no, it was the national. national. That's where it the press screening was. Okay, no, it was either the Bruin or what's the one across the street from the Bruin? Fox. The um, the Fox. It was the Bruin. Yeah, and. Okay. Uh, I guess you guys weren't at that screening, but there was a there was a group of about fifteen of us, and we got there online about twelve hours. We got there at noon for the midnight show, and of course, those lining up people that had been camping out were had been there for weeks in front of us, and uh, they and more people kept joining the line in front of us than behind mm. us because they oh. were saving seats for everybody and they had this whole bullshit hierarchy, and we were so pissed. But we had an inside man. So one of the guys in our group had a cousin that worked in the movie theater. So he was able to smuggle two of our party into the movie theater to hide in the men's room while they cleared the house. And then right when they opened the doors, they were able to sneak out of the men's room and file in and block off our row of seats because those idiots, <laughs> those jerks in the counting down line had kept gloating about how they were going to, they were going to block out the whole center section because we, they deserved it. And they put in the time and whatever, like, you know, Hey, we're here 12 hours early. We want a good seat too. And uh, so uh, as another group of us were able to infiltrate their line and just cut in front of a bunch of them. Cause screw them. That's hysterical. And we were able to block off, you know, fight for our seats. Yeah, I had already seen it because I went to the press screening because I, I remember going to see Phantom Menace at the National. And that was right when I was getting on a plane to go to Cannes with Free Enterprise. So I saw the movie and then I had to go right to the airport and I couldn't discuss it with anyone. <laughs> and no one had seen it, you know, so like I'm on a, on the plane. And as you know, I'm not a fan of that movie. Stewing and just wanting to talk about it. There was no one I could talk to about <laughs> it for days until it opened. It was very frustrating. But I want to say this. 
what you guys just talked about is very important. You know, look, I, I, I'm somebody who, who's, who's grown to like the finer things and like to be comfortable and like to luxury. So on one hand, I adore the fact that now you can book your your seats in a theater and just show up two minutes beforehand and have your seats waiting for you and know where you're going to be sitting and not have to do all the, the legwork. However, I wouldn't trade the experience that we had for decades mm -hmm. waiting online for these yep. important seminal movies, whether it be Star Trek two or whether it be Star Trek six or, you know, <laughs> whether it be, uh, you know, uh, so many, why do I keep saying Star Trek, but so many of these, these movies where we would get there hours and hours and just wait online. Well, and oh, good God, back to Westwood, Batman, when the Tim Burton Batman came out, Westwood was like a, was like a, to quote Prince, a party zone. I mean, it was like, it was a madhouse. And, and uh, we saw a that. Madhouse. You know, I saw it with a group in, uh, at the uh, Chinese theater and it was, it was a festival atmosphere. You know, everyone was so excited to be there. It was absolutely packed opening night. And I still remember that moment when the lights went down uh, and they had a pin spot shining on the curtains. And as the curtains parted, it was revealed to be the bat signal. Genius. And the audience lost their fucking minds. The roar of that crowd was unlike almost anything I'd ever seen. And it was just that the title sequence of that film with the, the Danny Elfman music churning and those those shots going through that landscape. You're not quite sure what it is until it kind of swivel turns and resolves into the bat signal with that music sting. They, they lost their minds again. Which is arguably the best part of a movie. Oh, stop it. <laughs> oh, oh, go hang out with Adam West. I mean, act, uh, that movie, you know, I, and I don't know if I had talked about this in the 1989 thing, but when I went to see that thing, I was working in a bookstore in Manassas Mall, Steve, where you yes. and I saw so many movies together, but didn't even realize it. <laughs> and, uh, and I had tickets. I was going to go with a dude I was working with at the bookstore. We were going to go to like a 9.30 or something. It was opening night. We closed the store and look, I mean, look, we had, like, we were the badasses of the cash register, right? Our drawers always balanced. And somehow we were short a hundred bucks nice. and we were trying to figure out where the hell it was. And finally we said, you know what? Fuck this. So we closed up the store a hundred dollars short and went and like got in line and waited because what was more important than anything was seeing Batman. And we thought we were fucked because the line to just get a seat was wrapped around the mall. We thought, oh God, we're going to end up in the worst possible seats. Yet somehow, fortune smiles. And they added a screen. And weirdly <laughs> enough, the break point were the two idiots in front of us. So we were the first people let into the new screen. We got the, the our choice of where to sit. That's it so was the great. best thing ever. It will so stay with me Be forever. Because you, you, you know what? What's so great about, I think, what we're all talking about, it, to quote John Hausman, you had to earn it, right? Yes. You know, it's like the, the amount of work that you had to put into seeing a movie, it, it gave it currency, it gave it import. You know, now, if you're just looking and you have thousands of movies, good, bad, you know, Citizen Kane is next to Happy Madison, you know, it's kind of like it loses its value, it loses its currency, you know, and, and it's so easy to you know watch something that everything sort of is suddenly it levels the playing playing field but you know there's an inherent elitism 
to 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 movie going, which I don't think is a bad thing because um, you know, Caddyshack two doesn't deserve the 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 passion of you know Breathless. I mean, it just you know there 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 is a, there is a reason that certain movies are revered and certain movies aren't, and um, I just think of all the films we discovered. And it's not just first run. It's so many of the great revival houses that we patronize, whether it be the Cinematheque, you know, whether it be the New Beverly, you know, um, uh, a lot. Of, there was a, for a while, a lot of um, mainstream theaters were showing stuff on the weekends. Of course, okay. our famous new art. Uh, midnight screening of the new art. Right. Um, but remember midnight when we went to go see Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan at, <laughs> at midnight, which we later immortalized in, in um, Free Enterprise. But I mean, that was just such a marvelous experience because seeing a movie for the first time can be, you know, incredibly uh, um, life changing, but also seeing a movie that you love. I mean, I, you know, I mean, Steve, you remember how amazing that um, Apocalypse Now screening with John Milius was at the Cinematheque or seeing, you know, something as frivolous and ridiculous as the Oscar with Harlan Ellison or, um, you know, noir uh, week, you know, we, we, we saw some of the most amazing, you know, film noirs, you know, during the, the, the noir fest at, um, at the Cinematheque. So it's incredible. And plus, you know, particularly with the, the Egyptian, what I love is it harkens back to something. Ashley was probably too young to, but we were at the very tail end of the great movie palaces. Like most of them are now like revivalist churches, but I remember as a very young kid, like going to see Willy Wonka in this very ornate, giant columns, you know, uh, one plex. They were all one plexes back then, we, you know, with the balcony. And, you know, until like the very end of the eight, or, well, it was like the beginning of the century, the Ziegfeld in New York. You couldn't right. beat that. You know, you felt whatever you were seeing was special. And of course, I did see very special movies there. I mean, I remember seeing the revival of Lawrence Arabia when it was re-released there. Mm -hmm. Um, Last Temptation of Christ, you know, which was I remember that was waiting online to see that and watching the protesters all yelling sure. and screaming. <laughs> at us. I mean, it's just so many amazing, you know, films. And New York had that in abundance. And of course, now they're all gone. You know, yeah, I think the closest we came to that in L.A. in modern years was the um, oh, I'm blanking on the name of it, the Disney Theater in Hollywood. Okay. Um, oh, the El Capitan. Capitan. Yeah, El Cap yeah. I, I remember when that they restored that and that mm -hmm. was a big deal. And I as I recall, the Rocketeer, the Rocketeer was the first, was the first yeah. one. Yep. And I remember going that opening weekend and they had put a literally built a carnival out in front of it with like a Ferris wheel and stuff. And it was it was a huge deal. And, and that was that was an old school movie palace that they had fully restored. Yeah. And and they had the pipe organ that came up out of the floor and they had an organist playing and they had a stage show with mm -hmm. dancers and people in costumes. So they were trying to recreate to some extent that movie palace era of yore, which, you know, it's interesting you mentioned movie palaces. Um, the movie going experience back in the, the, the 30s, so like the sort of the golden age of, of movie going these movie palaces were an escape for people during the, the height of the Great Depression. It was inexpensive right. entertainment to, to go out and be transported away with, you know, a newsreel and a, and a cartoon and a short or, you know, a B an picture, an A picture, an air conditioning. Yeah. So it was this huge event that you talked about a little bit, Darren, uh, going to these big, these big palaces to, and, and now in the age of coronavirus, it's so sad that, you know, we, we can't, you know, that kind of escape that I think so many of us yearn for 
we can't have that experience. It's just not the same popping in a, you know, a Blu-ray or a 4k or, or, you know, a Netflix stream, even with their, the best home theater. And I, we all have good home theater setups, but it's just, you know, it's not, not, not at same. all. Like, you know, I, um, in terms of the, the, the next generation of movie watchers, um, I was fortunate enough to be able to, to share like some of these great movies from our youth, our youths, uh, with uh, with my my eldest boy um, in the theater, like I took him to uh, to the Egyptian to see ET. I nearly stayed and watched the thing with him and realized that would be terrible parenting. Um, <laughs> I I took him to see uh, you know uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark as part of the AFI mm. like program at the Ark Lake, and he loved it. My God, the boy's reaction when Indy shoots the dude with the sword is just chef's kiss to the point where i i've got temple of doom sitting on you know itunes i own it and i want to show it to him but i haven't because i keep holding out hope that we can go and we can watch that movie in a theater and see it on the big screen mm -hmm. because really like the difference between a big screen and even you know my home theater system for the anything goes number at the top of that film I mean, you, you. I mean, we all know like what the what the difference in that would be. I, I just, I, I don't want him to see. Nice it. try, Lauche. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, and it's and it's not just you know the big picture and the big sound, which of course is a is a great draw. For me, the one of the big differences is when you're going to a movie theater, you're seeing the movie on its terms, yes. not your terms. You're not pausing the movie. You can't, you know, your wife isn't saying like, oh, can you pause it for a minute? I want to go to the bathroom or I got to mm -hmm. get up and, you know, make a make some more popcorn. Like you're in your seat and the movie starts and it doesn't mm -hmm. stop for anybody. And you're you're what you're you're there and you are held captive. You're entranced by that movie for its running time, hopefully. Yes. Yeah, that's really I, funny you say that because I've been showing the kids a lot of, of movies, you know, and we'd been going to the New Beverly and it was it was amazing because I was showing them they were seeing so many great films. And of course, that's not possible anymore with the New Beverly being shut down, everything being shut down. So, you know, we've been watching a lot of stuff at home. I finally had to relent. We showed them Jaws and, and the Goonies at home and a couple of things I'd kind of been holding out to, for them to see right. on the big screen. And they really liked it. But there definitely is that, can I go to the bathroom? Can I get more popcorn? You know, can you stop the thing? Oh, the cat's in front of the screen. You know, and it's like, and it's, it's very what, frustrating. What they say? Can you, what they say? Can you rewind it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And, you know, can we put the subtitles on? You know, no, no. And, uh, you know, it's great because we're sort of doing a fourth movie. Like we did Politics Month this month for the election. So um, we watched All the President's Men, which they loved. And, and then we watched uh, The Darkest Hour watching Mr. Smith Goes to Washington next week. And it's been fantastic, like, because this our Saturday movie thing now has been going on since the beginning of the pandemic. And they've been able to see some really great things. But I definitely, you know, A, miss going to revival houses and seeing it on a big screen and, and, and like, like you say, not being in control, right. the projection is in control. The movie is in control as opposed to you having a remote and being able to stop it whenever you want. And uh, it's frustrating. You know? I want to mention you, you, something. It's not as sacred. I want to mention something that may be uh, the future of theaters. Um, recently before uh, the pandemic started, in the before time? In the before time. Uh, the ancient paramount consent decrees were lifted. Mm -hmm. Now, 
if anyone knows what these were, in 1948, there was a ruling handed down that movie studios could not own theaters. Because before that, they owned all the theaters. And they had a certain number of theaters that they put their uh, product in. And that was how they made the money. They owned the production and the distribution. Um, that, that the consent decrees split up that. And so the exhibitors became one entity and the producers became another one. And so they were separated. That ended this year. So I'm thinking that with all the things that have been happening with uh, shutdowns and everything and uh, you know exhibitors shutting down, I think there might be some hope that the studios, after all this passes, and it will, it's just a matter of time, especially you know with the news about uh, you know inoculations and so forth, um, that the studios might actually you know make themselves uh, uh, richer by the fire sale that's going to happen by all these exhibitors going out of business. And I agree. It, it might be a, a new dawning for a, a different kind of theater experience. That's Weirdly, such I a great that point. That superhero is going to be um, Marvel, honestly. Like, uh, I, I think the, well the movies that, that people have sort of maligned is like, well, they've kind of sucked all the oxygen out of the room because they're so big and everybody wants to fucking see them. Like, hey, maybe like being really big and everybody wants to see them will turn out to be a good thing. Maybe, yeah. Right. Like because those movies are still sitting, they're still waiting. And I think when the time is right and people rediscover their love affair with the movie theaters, because right now movies come out and we don't know it. Right. Right. It's like, yeah, they're sort of they're available. They're on streaming and they're good, man. Like there are good movies that are coming out, but we don't nothing quite captures the imagination like what's coming out this weekend. Right. Did everybody go to see it? What are the box office numbers? Is it number one? I mean, that's a silly thing to talk about, and but at the perhaps, same time, it's like we love the goddamn horse race, right? Perhaps, and like, is there going to be anything better than like? I mean, even if Black Widow sucks, like, is there going to be anything better than like Black Widow coming out finally? Are people I, being I, excited to go see a movie? I'm also thinking that perhaps if this if this changes over and the studios become the exhibitors, that they will take steps to increase the enjoyability of the movie-going experience. Because mm -hmm. let's face it, over the past few years, the movie-going experience has turned into a bit of a shit fest uh, because of, because of you know, the, the standards in theaters going down and noisy, annoying people sitting behind you, uh, having crinkly uh, bags of uh, candy. Um, and there have been a lot of you know, sort of negative experiences at the at the movies too in, you know, in the past few years that I think I wanna, can be changed. See, I want to agree and disagree with you. My agreement is this. You're absolutely right about with the rolling back of the consent decrees. It would be crazy for the studios not to get involved next year. I mean, look, look at somebody like Adolf Zucor. He mm -hmm. owned theaters and he started, you know, 
paramount was to to create the supply to put in his theaters yeah. a lot of these studios were exhibitors who then started making movies to fill their pipelines right so it totally makes sense for disney or these mega corporations to control the distribution because then they don't have to worry about negotiating yeah. oh you know what's the window for streaming you know the window for dvd release yeah you know what's the holdback you know they control everything yep what was once a horrible thing to consider because it gave them too much power, a monopoly over the business. It actually could be what saves the business now. That's, um, that's my thought. The, the, second thing, the second thing you said was that exhibition has been going downhill. That I would quibble with because at least in, in on this side of the hill in Los Angeles, the theaters are really nice. And in fact, I feel like there's been a huge um, increase in the quality of theaters like AMC, for instance, they got the Dolby um, theaters which have uh, the seats that recline and 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 armrests and seats and a beautiful black Dolby Vision screen and um, uh, a lot of dining very, theaters very, and the, the dining theaters are something else. I, I'm not a big fan of dining. There's too much people eating and making noises and you know p- waiters going in and out. But I, I, there's some but really Steve, great Steve, exhibition back me up going on. on. This. Back me up on this. I know you've had experiences that I've been with you when we've had experiences with the uh, bad theatrical situations. And I think well, projections sure. never been better. Yeah, te- technically, uh, you know, thanks to thanks thanks to George Lucas in part yeah. with the THX mm-hmm, program absolutely. back in the eighties, uh, increasing the the quality, the soundproofing in theaters, and the the quality of the projection and the quality of the sound for sure. Um, I think overall, the average theater quality has improved tremendously since the 70s. The technical, um, but aspect. technically, yes. Yeah. That the people, on the other hand, a lot of them, I would say, are worse than ever. And and to me, like I don't mind the crinkly wrappers and the popcorn crunching mm-hmm. that much because to me, that's part of it. It's, it's those goddamn cell phones that mm-hmm. drive me crazy. Yeah. Like. People yep. cannot leave their phones in off in their pockets or their purses. They have to check their texts or they have to make a text or some, some God, people even answer the make phone. phone call. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. seeing that bright yeah. light like like blaze on mm. in front of you, it's super distracting and really annoying. And and if you call someone out for it, as often as not, they'll get violent or angry at you yeah. for calling right. them out on their yeah, yeah. rude behavior. Yeah. Because yeah. they're Absolutely. entitled a-holes. And if you're listening, oh, I have to check thinking, with the I've been that guy. Yeah, we're talking to you. Okay. Well, they, <laughs> it's they, the same I, people that won't wear masks. Unfortunately, yeah. they they think that they're in their own living rooms. Yeah. You know? and well, that's absolutely that's true. Let me ask you guys this. So we're talking about the before time, right? And by the way, <laughs> it's really unsettling that my toddlers, and I guess my God, they're about to be five, so they're not really toddlers anymore. Um, <laughs> they really do divide time into two phases there's before the virus and then there's now yeah it's been a sixth of their lives in the before time what was the last movie that you saw in the theater i can't it was i think it was rise rise of skywalker it was rise of skywalker because i saw it for the uh i think the second time in 4d uh in um at the uh i never go to see 4d except for star wars movies 
and it was sort of a tradition with all the new Star Wars movies. We'd go see them in 4D, which was sort of fun. But it was like being on Star Tours for two hours. So no okay. matter how thoroughly mediocre a new Star Wars movie may be, you enjoyed it just a little bit more in 4D because, you know, it felt like Star Tours. It was like you'd have a little smoke and, uh, you know, smoke would be blasted at you and water and it would shake and it would be in 3D, which I don't particularly like. But I kind of liked for like the, the show of it all. Right. Um, but I think, yeah, Rise of Skywalker was the last thing that i saw before you know the dark times before the pandemic oh see mine was portrait of a lady on fire uh i saw it at the arc light in fact i can tell you exactly what date i saw it on because i started doing the steven soderbergh thing where you keep a journal of everything you watch oh. uh so yeah i saw it on march 8th wow that was the last thing i saw in a theater so you could pick a date any date this year and i could tell you exactly what i watched how impressive. That's freakish, That's cool. Steve. Please don't mention that again. <laughs> <laughs> so Steve, isn't it? That's so Steve. He has a journal. Now he's doing a countdown. Right. It's like, <laughs> as uh, you know, hey, man, as, you could quiz me if you want. I got it up here. We believe you. <laughs> okay. Um, what was the penultimate movie you saw? The penultimate movie? The, yeah, the, the one before Portrait of a Lady. Don't look at fire. the screen. Uh, I have Actually, to look now. at the screen. Don't wait for the translation. It was, uh, gosh, it was a while before. Uh, it was oh downhill. That okay. no no come. It was come and see, come okay. and see the Russian uh, the Russian World War II film that was at the um, at the uh, the um, the Cinematheque. God, you're a nerd. I mean, no, that sounds great. I think hey, so mine look, might might have been 1917. Wow. Oh yeah, you know what? It might have been 1917 for me too. Actually, I might have seen that after Rise of Skywalker. I don't know, but you know. So my question is this: We all know the pandemic is eventually going to come to an end. There's going to be a vaccine. Hopefully, enough people are going to get vaccinated and not be stupid anti-vaxxers. So, um, you know, and 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 this thing is going to, you know, hopefully be in the rearview mirror at some point. We don't know when yeah. that's going to be, but it, it's inevitable. So, um, you know, at that point. Do movies rebound or are people so comfortable um, at home with the new normal that that's what they continue to embrace? Or is it going to be like, you know, sort of after World War One ends and you have a huge uh, the, the jazz age where yeah. everyone's running around, having it, boozing it up, getting laid, all this stuff. You know, is, are people going to run back to the movies because like they want to be out of the house? They want to go back the to the way things were. I, I think definitely it's think it's too. the latter yeah. because I think that the studios will start releasing, especially like with the big stuff. That's why I was you know, talking about like Marvel to the rescue. I think those movies will end up on the schedule. People will just go out like crazy. Like remember when, um, you know, uh, Avengers Endgame yeah. broke the Run P app? Like I, I think that the, that the response will just dwarf that. And if you think about the amount of content over the last year that has backed up, that has just been ready to come out, it is going to be like a fucking movie wonderland. Like once stuff starts to come back out, I think people are going to be excited to go. I know I will. I'll because I'll tell once, you guys. I'll go one I step screwed further. Up. Like the last, I thought the last movie that I saw, if, if I wanted to lie about it, I'd tell you the last movie that I saw in the theater was Invisible Man, which was great. But no, I was desperate to see one more movie before the lockdown. So on my birthday, March 16th, 2020, I went to see Bloodshot and me, why? Why did I do that? 
Why did, why did that happen? What was I thinking? What was wrong with me? No, stop it. I, I, I've got to have something else come out for me to rush out to see, you know, just so that I can like bleach my goddamn eyes. And I, sorry, I, you know. I, I agree. I agree with you about the dam is going to burst. Yeah. I think, I think that it's going to be, it's going to be uh, a, uh, an explosion of interest in people doing anything that is quote normal again. Yes. Uh, you know, who knows? They might even go and see Tenet. <laughs> I went to see Tenet actually, like simply because it was, and it was in Anaheim for the love of God. I drove to Anaheim just to see a movie to just wash out bloodshot. <laughs> you know, I, I'll tell you the one good thing that's come out of the pandemic is the, the resurrection of drive-in theaters. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I was going to ask I, you about that. That is, I mean, I've gone to a couple now. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of them are pop-up ones. Like at mm -hmm. the, the zoo, we went to see Poltergeist um, mm -hmm. for, for Halloween. Uh, you know, and, and there's a lot of these are popping up literally all around Los Angeles. And, uh, because there aren't a lot of standing driving theaters anywhere nearby. Um, but I, I kind of, I don't know if it's just a fad. I don't know if like once movies are back and the pandemic's over, anyone's still going to care about driving. But it's, it's kind of fun. You know, and, and it's a fun way to to enjoy the movie. I wish there was a better way to get sound so you can yeah. get better sound than through an FM radio, um, because that hasn't changed since, you know, the 1950s. You, know? <laughs> you would think uh, that they'd be able to do it digitally. So, I mean, like, especially at least for some had, of the vehicles. If they had the time to actually set it up and do it right, I think they would. I think they would make everything Bluetooth. And, yep. you know, they would, uh, you know, allow you to connect, you know, a speaker or what have you inside your car. Um, yeah, you know, we went to see the Princess Bride, like in Glendale at a pop up, like on top of the parking lot at the Glendale um, at the Americana on brand. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it was awesome. Like Caden went to see it with us and, and loved it. But it's just you're right. I mean, it's just it's not quite the same. It was wonderful to go see it. What's going to happen? Kind of amazing and I would it. like to I would like to patent this idea right now. Yeah. Is what's going to happen is you're going to go to these uh, places and you're going to sign in on an app on your phone and they're going to broadcast the sound on the app and you're going to be able to play it through your car stereo. That's yep. what's going to happen. That would be if, great. If the they sound continue would be so along, much better. If they continue along with the interest and and investors are interested in providing this kind of thing, absolutely. Yep. Well, yeah, because, be a lot I of... mean, you're, it is that that social aspect to movie going and mm -hmm. that that getting out of the house and going somewhere with other people and, and going and on a date and making out in your car for God's yes, sake. Right. <laughs> I like Greg Brady. That's yes, right. like Greg Brady. And he took Marsha to the wait. No, no, he didn't take Marsha. He took uh, he took his mom. Yeah, weird. Yeah, he did <laughs> take his mom. That's the screwed up part. That's a whole other conversation on the four thirty movie special report. Well, at least he didn't go with his mom to the hunger. So um, <laughs> he would have gotten lucky. Anyway, this, this is just just uh, it's scary and exciting at the same time to think of what the future holds for for movies and what kind of movies are going to be get, getting made because I think we all agree that there will always be a screen for the blockbusters. You know, you said it yourself, Kevin Feige is going to have a statue erected of him in the Exhibitors Hall of Fame, you know, because he's going to give him the product that's going to jumpstart this movie revolution again. You know, obviously, you know, Disney is doing that to a certain extent, but it's really interesting because the other franchises like Star Wars, which is now is that audience being cannibalized by its success on the small screen? 
you know, will Star Trek have a future on the big screen? You know, given the fact that, you know, at least what they're doing on the small screen is budgetarily as big as, um, you know, most of the movies in terms of scope. Um, I don't know, you know, so even beyond, you know, the Marvel movies, because even Wonder Woman is now becoming part of this experiment, this PVOD slash VOD slash SVOD alphabet soup. Um, so, you know, what, what's going to happen with No Time to Die? You know, are they going to continue to sit on it and accrue interest? Well, or are I they think gonna they're going to try a Wonder Woman experiment. I think they're going to find there's plenty of time to die. <laughs> um, you know, how big does a movie have to be to be, you know, that movie that ends up in theaters and doesn't? I mean, look at Paramount. When's the last time Paramount's released a movie? Everything they keep selling everything to Netflix and Amazon. Yeah. Um, you know, they used to be, you know, they used to, they used to be a contender. <laughs> well, they're uh, they're sitting on a Top Gun sequel, aren't they? Yes, they're sitting they on Top Gun, and they're sitting on Quiet uh, Quiet Place too. You right. know, uh, um, but not a lot else. And that's the other thing you said. Oh, there's all this stuff that's waiting to be released. But yes, there's there's all this stuff that's being held back that's sitting on the shelf. But there hasn't been a ton of production now over the last year because everything's been shut down. So it's also like, what's going to fill this pipeline once those initial movies get released? Once you know the Eternals and um, Jurassic 19 or whatever it is, Jurassic World and 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 um, uh, Black Widow. And, you know, once that initial bunch of stuff is finally released, you know, what's going to follow? What's going to follow? I have my fingers crossed that they're going to delve into their libraries and resurrect yeah. uh, some old yeah, movies. Yeah, I think re-releases are in our future. Certainly for the beginning of uh, next year. Uh, you, you know. Well, they were doing that during the pandemic, the theaters that remained open. I mean, there was a week where the empire strikes back was the biggest release and Steve didn't even have to sweat to see it, but um, (laughs) nobody's shoes melted. There was no carcass. (laughs) No. And, and like ET and a couple, and I think it's great, you know, that what was once only the, the vestige of a fathom, you know, release now is getting these full release. So it'd be interesting to see. And it'll be interesting to see if people go to see these movies on the big screen. I know I would certainly love to. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah, I loved going to the the ArcLight. You know, for years had been doing you know weekend screenings of uh, you know of classic films, and it was really fun to go see a favorite movie on a big screen. Like Dune. By the way, who wouldn't want to see? Well, I don't know. I mean, I was about to say like maybe four people on this Zoom, but like, but who wouldn't want to see the David Lynch Dune like in a double feature with like with the new Dune? Three, yeah, but here's what worries me about this, something like the Cinematheque. The Cinematheque's non, a nonprofit organization. Now, to basically to save themselves, you know, they ended up making this deal with Netflix, which is great, where they're going to show movies on the weekend and Netflix owns the theater, you know, during the week and they can release right. whatever they... That's great because it ensures a long life for um, the Cinematheque. However, I had an interesting conversation with someone there. Um, you know, Dune was a huge success for them when they showed Dune. But, you know, I was asking about some other movies and they said, yeah, you know, nobody's coming out to see the older movies. So for us, it's really about showing stuff from the 1980s on. And I'm like thinking that is not the role for um, an organization whose job it is to proselytize for the history of cinema. You know, you have to show these movies from the 20s, from the 30s, from the 40s, from the 50s, certainly 60s and 70s. It's like but you suddenly say, well, you know, the, the millennials and the Gen Z isn't coming out for the older movies. So we're going to have to evolve with the times. It's like, no, you don't. That's what I love about New Beverly, because it's Quentin. He doesn't care about making money. At the same time, 
you know, the, the schedule is tailored to his taste. So yeah. there's a lot of um, exploitation. You're not, not see, always you're not going to see a lot of movies from the 20s at Quentin's Theater. Yeah. Yeah. But, but <laughs> at the honest. same time, they're not worried about like, you know, putting butts in the seats. Right. Um, well, yeah. It's to, similarly, I talked to another friend who was trying to program a mini festival at the Egyptian and and getting pushback from the movie selections and not being able to get big enough guest speakers to fill the mm -hmm. house. Cause that's all they were concerned with was that, filling the yep, house. Yep. Yep. I had the same thing happen and it was very frustrating and it was like, Oh yeah. You know, something that's older that you don't have a huge guest. It's not, you know, we're not gonna have enough people. It's not worth it. Yeah, it and wasn't like, big enough to get like the writer and director to come and speak about the film. They wanted the movie star there mm -hmm. to fill the house. Like, yeah. really, guys? I thought yeah. your mission was to present the great films from cinema history. No, their to mission mass is to audiences. fill the house. Yeah. And especially and when you now think that of the movies by Netflix and they don't need right. necessarily to fill the house, even more so they should they should carve out time for these these other classic films. Well, and especially when you think of the kinds of movies that when you know we used to go to see there. I mean, there's so many movies that we were able to see, you know, for the first time uh you know that we're playing it but you know again movies were special to our to us and i'm not sure to certain well, young, the gen, new generation that movies mean as much i mean there was movie culture on campus and you know unfortunately now you also have and I, this is a whole nother conversation which we can't really have now the politics of movies which right. is you know the fact that cultural norms have changed so uh, particularly on college campuses there's a lot of pushback against anything that's not acceptable i mean i was really angry <laughs> Uh, you know, when Sean Connery passed away and, you know, a lot of people were saying, oh, we shouldn't be tri paying tribute to Sean Connery because he said all these things that were personally offensive. And it's like, OK, does that take away from him? Look, John Wayne was a freaking asshole, you know, um, and, and what he did to writers, you know, in terms of HUAC and, you know, all is 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 a loathsome. But you know what? I still love watching his movies and yeah. I'm not. And we need to cancel John Wayne, uh, you know, so I, I just also I think younger audiences have a real tough time, like seeing, you know, the, their lines in movies like where, the, you know, people literally walk out because it doesn't reflect their, you know, social views or, I think you know, that those are, I mean, look, that is a, a different conversation. I, I think that it's a very vocal minority that feels that way. And because they're so loud, because there's such an echo chamber it seems larger than it is but good lord if i didn't go see movies simply because i thought the people involved were assholes i would never go see movies yeah, 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 yeah. i wouldn't exactly. go see half of my goddamn movies because yeah. I, I remember involved. when i remember when <laughs> steve and i went to see wonder wheel and we thought oh i wonder you know what this could be like because you know there there are certain um uh people that that, that have an issue with you know have problem with woody allen um and uh you know we thought oh is that gonna affect and we were very gratified to see that you know we were online for a huge amount of time uh and and, and we it was around you know, the corner <laughs> a pack a packed theater we barely got into the screening of wonder wheel and so it's like also you know twitter is not necessarily the best arbiter of what people are thinking and saying no yeah. it needs to be nuked from orbit it's the only way to be sure <laughs> hey wait that's a movie quote isn't it isn't it yeah it really is i think it was like um something involving aliens i don't know 
can't remember the name of it, but can't remember either. Right. It's something in there. Well, anyway, look, I, I think I think what what is clear from the special report is that we all have uh, value uh, the theatrical experience, and we don't want to see it go away. And it is our hope, our, our fervent hope, that. Um, when this pandemic is over, that movies will not in fact be dead, but it will also hopefully offer more than just the big blockbusters, because I don't think you would have, you know, Steven Soderbergh's career or Quentin Tarantino's career. If, if, you know, those smaller films that, you know, that, that, you know, created that buzz, you know, whether it be a Reservoir Dogs or whether it be a Sex Lies of Videotape or Wayne Wang, which Chan is missing or Ang Lee, you know, oh, who, you know, with a lot of the, these people would never have become who they became, you know, if, if, if their movies hadn't come out in theaters and, 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 and gotten the attention of critics and subsequently gotten the attention of audiences, you know, that can't just, these movies can't just all go to streaming. Plus there's a whole issue of marketing too. You know, when they're dropping movies on streaming, you don't even know that they're there. It's right. like, you know, um, you know, and, and it's hard, you know, it's just, you know, if the, if the, um, the algorithm doesn't think this is something for you, you may never know it even exists. That's right. right. So, so there anyway, not to go out on a bummer, but uh, so uh, what, what's the movie you guys, let's just, last, last question. What, what's the movie you're most looking forward to seeing uh, be released after the pandemic, starting with Steve? Uh, well, I, I mean, it's probably the James Bond movie because I was really looking forward to it, you know, last March <laughs> before they delayed the release. Even though I, I don't have great hopes for it, I was really looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, and what about you, Darren? I got nothing. Nothing. I, I, that's not good. I, I I was you know even even before we had shut down, I wasn't looking forward to anything that was coming out this year. So maybe oh, that's see, just I, me. I was I was really looking forward to Dennis Villeneuve's Dune, back to Dune again. Yeah, I was really looking forward to that. I can't believe how that it looked like Gus Van Sant's Psycho. It looked like a shot for shot remake of David Lynch's movie. And I thought the whole idea was without color. I thought the whole idea was to like actually adapt the book and not, you know, you know, do do what David Lynch did. And, no, let's do and David I could Lynch's not believe with, with worse costumes. Let's do that. <laughs> it was oh, yeah, it was so weird. To me. But look, I I still hope it'll be great. Ashley, what what about you? Um, until they made the announcement today, I I probably would have said uh, Wonder Woman 1984 because I just I think that she's amazing and like effervescent and exactly. She's a wonder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she is. And it's like, and it's exactly what I think everybody would have wanted to see, like exactly the right tone. Um, so other than that, I'm actually legit excited for No Time to Die. Because um, I'm always excited for James Bond. I'm always excited for Daniel Craig, James Bond. Um, so I'd have to say that that's the one. Or honestly, I'm very excited to see anything that Marvel releases next year, because I want to see the movie theaters go bananas. That's what I want to see. That's what I'm looking forward to. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll claim the trifecta. I too am looking forward to No Time to Die. Um, obviously, a huge James Bond fan and author of the book. <laughs> uh, Do you write a bookmark? Do you write books? As a matter of fact, in case you're a James Bond fan with nothing to do, you may want to pick up a copy for the holidays of uh, Nobody Does It Better: The Complete Oral History of the James Bond Films. But uh, on on, but I'm also really like I'm looking forward to Black Widow. I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff um, that uh, that I'm excited about. A lot of stuff I'm not excited about. 
I mean, does the world really need another Fantastic Beast movie? I don't know. Uh, did they need the first? Not two? so much. I mean, damn, where did we turn? How do we turn negative? The show's supposed to be all about the love. You love no, that's me. the other show. The Star Trek show is about that. Four Thirty oh, yeah. movie is not. Four Thirty movie is just about curating fancy theme weeks of, of movies you may not have heard of, or you know, we have an open movies. season on hate here. So. <laughs> I hate hate. Hate is stupid. <laughs> But, um, but anyway, it, look, look, one thing we all can agree on is we love the movies and we love going to the movies. And we love talking about movies. And hopefully that's something that will be back with ample abundance when this dreadful pandemic is over. Right. Uh, but we'll be back with an all new 430 movie very soon. So keep watching your podcast feed to see when a new episode drops of the 430 movie. Meanwhile, on behalf of Ashley, Steve, Darren, and myself, Mark Altman. I want to thank you for listening to another episode of the 430 Movie. You can watch and listen to all our fabulous podcasts on the Electric Now streaming app, which you can download wherever you uh, download uh, your favorite apps. It uh, includes the 430 Movie, Inglorious Trexperts, Rebel and the Rogue, a Star Wars podcast, Two on Who, a Doctor Who podcast, and the best movies never made, a uh, great podcast about movies that have never seen the light of projector bulb we'd like to thank our producers natalie miscali as well as our fabulous sound engineer bill ritter who makes the sound so good even over this dreadful zoom that's another thing i'm looking forward to actually being back in the studio again yes where we can look at everyone's smiling faces and, and go to shake um shack. and go to shake shack that's right we haven't we haven't broken bread at shake shack in a at long time that would be very very nice it's a little old place where yeah, I'm not going to continue. We can get now. together. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, thank you all. And we'll see you next week or whenever we do our next episode on the 430 movie. So until then, Eyewitness News starts now. This episode is brought to you by Central Services. We do the work, you do the pleasure. Central Services. This show is produced by Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman and is an Electric Surge Network production.